Amen. You guys may be seated inside of the house here today. I'm going to jump into it. Go ahead and put your seatbelts on. If you look to your right, there's going to be a seatbelt. Put that on real quick because we're rolling in today into this conversation. If you want to take notes, write this across the top of your paper. Losing but gaining. Losing but gaining. What good is it to gain the world and lose your soul? Losing but gaining. Have you ever been in a point in your life where you realized that you were spending an, uh, a large amount of time, a large amount of energy, and a large amount of focus on something that did not bring much value to your life. You ever been there before? Anybody ever like, like um, you, 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 you realized one day, you said, man, I, um, why am I spending so much time doing this activity? It's not really doing much for my productivity. There, there was a time in my life where I was, uh, I was probably a little stressed out about church, so I got hooked on this little, this little bike game. On, on little, it was an app. It was the most amazing game ever. It was this like motocross bike that you had to take on this track, and you like it was just all lin- like linear. And you had to, like, flip it, but you had to land on its wheels to keep on going. You got points and all this stuff. I mean, it was amazing. I was spending at least, like, at least 10 to 15 hours a week just, like, getting it. I was, like, so close. I was literally so close to getting the top bike that was, like, 100 million tokens. It was absolutely amazing. I was so close. But after two months of playing this game, I realized, what in the world am I doing with my life right now? I was escaping. I know I was escaping. I'm like, I'm so stressed out. I'm so freaked out. I'm just playing the game, and I'm trying to do it, trying to accomplish something. Um, this was like five years ago, okay? So don't worry. You're like, whoa, that's what, that's what's wrong with pastor. <laughs> but isn't it funny that sometimes we find inside of our lives, we do things. We're spending a lot of time on things. It's a lot of activity with not very much productivity. And, and usually in life, it's tied to a value system. I mean, you think, where, where, where in your life are you spending your most time today? If you just ask that question, where in your life are you spending your most time today? You would say, blah, right? Now, you don't have to say it out loud because this would be self-defeating, right? Some of us, if you've if you ever gone in and looked at, like, your, your phone will tell you how much time you spend on what? You ever been there before? Look at it today if you have not, Okay. You'll freak yourself out. You're like, I spend how much time on Instagram? Or some of you guys are like, I need to spend more time on Instagram. Okay, don't go look. There you go. What, 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 where are we spending our time? Maybe, maybe the question for you is, where are you spending your money? Like if you looked at your bank account, like what is those little, like the pie graph? How does it come out for you? Like where, what is that? What does that look like on your bank account? What, where's your money going? Where, where's it all going? I, I know I'm talking about money, so a few people are like, uh, Steve, you still talking about money in here? I don't know. Here's the deal I'm trying to get at. It is the question is, what do we value? Today, I, I just want to have a conversation to blow up the existence and the focus of your life today. I just want to start with that conversation. We're starting this series, um, Winning Where It Matters. Based on the whole premise on, man, if you win in life but lose your soul, what good is that? Like, if we're going to win, we're, we're all going to win somewhere inside of our lives. We could win at, like, killing every Netflix show in the world. Like, we've, we've watched them all. We, we can win at, like, at like uh, Starbucks every day, and we're just, like, getting it, and we got our coffee, and we're just, we can, we're going to win somewhere inside of our lives. The, the question is, is 
why are you going to win in that area of your life? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought, why am I focused so much on this that I have I'm time and energy and effort into it that I want to succeed here, but maybe it's not necessarily really productive for the eternal question? Maybe it's a temporal question. Maybe it's a generational question. Maybe, maybe it's a, a, an internal issue out of pain question. Maybe there's some, some things driving your decisions today and the focus of your decisions, but it's out of a very dysfunctional place inside of your life. Maybe in the pain of, of a past breakdown in your life where you felt like a nobody, now all of a sudden you find yourself on social media trying to become a somebody. Like, like what is it? Well, the values, time, your time and your money will tell you what you value. The question I just have is, why do you value it? Why do you value it? Is it because somebody told you you should value it? Maybe it's generational. Like somebody told you you should be valuing this thing that you have a, a large amount of time on. Somebody told you, hey, you should be valuing this. And you're like, okay, I'm just, and you haven't woke up yet to say, why do I value this? Like, why, why am I doing this? Why am I so focused on this? Why do I care so much about this, right? Like football starting today. Who really cares who wins or loses? Like, like honestly, like who really cares eternally? We're going to get to heaven. He's going to be like, who won the Cowboys game? Was it Cowboys or was it the Buccaneers? You'd be like, obviously the Cowboys. Duh. <laughs> He's going to be like, uh, who cares, Right? you missed an opportunity to share your faith or encourage somebody or bless somebody or lift somebody up on that Sunday when you walked out of that church that, that said, hey, what are you valuing? And you walked into that restaurant and you looked only at what you were doing and your world and your thing and you never picked your head up to see anybody else inside of the room that you could be a blessing to. And then you went home and you cared more about the winning and the losing of a sports team and not the, the, the eternal destination of those around you. You just, like, we put it in perspective, okay? Now, here's the deal. I love sports. I played football growing up, okay? I'm, like, just using it in context. I will watch the game tonight, just FYI. Some of you guys are like, what are you saying, Pastor? Okay, I'm not that guy that's like, you're a horrible person. You should throw your TV out the window, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But if you put it in perspective, is there a larger amount of care here than there is on the eternal things? And the question I just have is, I'm just going to keep on saying it, is why? Why, why is it that you care that much about it? Who told you to care that much about it? Who was influencing your life that, that, that wet the appetite of that, that care, of the desire there? Well, who was it? Because maybe it's not necessarily biblical. Maybe there needs to be a reexamination of it. So I want to jump in here today, and I think we can, all, we can all look at this and say, man, there's some things that we need to work on here today. There's some things we need to, to, to think about. There's some things that maybe we need to change, some perspectives that need to shift inside of our lives, a different perspective that maybe we need to take into our own life on a daily basis, some things that we need to focus on and things that we need to walk away from. So today, number one, if you want to write this down, your actions are going to speak far louder than your words. Say it this way. Actions shout, 
and your words whisper. You ever had somebody that's the talker, right, the big talker, but when it actually rubber hits the road, they can't, they ain't actually delivering? You're thinking like, okay, you're, you're saying a lot, but you're not doing a lot. You're telling me what you can do, but I, I haven't seen you do it. If you work with these people, they're the most frustrating people in the world. Like, yeah, yeah, I got that. No, I, I got this. You're like, okay, cool. Where's it at? Okay, we're two weeks in. You haven't given me the report, right? You got this. I need you to get it done. They're a talker. I want to, but I'm not necessarily somebody that's going to. I don't have that self-discipline, that self-responsibility. Actions are going to speak far louder than our words. We don't want to be people that are just saying, hey, we're going to do something. We want to be a community of people that say, we're, or be a people that actually do it. We don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. We don't want to just understand what the Bible says. We want to live lives to do what God says for us to do. Here's where you get into, to, uh, I would say, spiritual ignorance. It's when we know too much and our lives aren't oriented around to do what we actually know to do. Right? Everybody in here, and there's a lot of different things, like we're, a lot of things. Everybody knows we should budget, but if I asked how many people actually have a budget, everybody knows we should eat right, but if I said who's eating right, everybody knows that we should, uh, uh, we, should, we should not be walking in depression and we should be praying about everything, but I would say how many of you guys are praying without ceasing, right? That, like we know but our reality we, 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 we want to, but ah, we struggle to, right? We have this, this challenge that operates inside of our lives. So when, when it comes down to it, the focus is, man, if we really truly value this thing inside of our lives, then we should probably put our lives or orient our lives in a way that we are, we are doing what we say we want to do. We're actually delivering on what we value inside of our lives, where we're orienting our lives around. Matthew 6 would say this, so don't worry about these things saying what, uh, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of what? Unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. So the, the Jesus is making clear inside of you. This is red letter. Jesus is like, hey, stop worrying about the things of this world. Right? What, is, what good is it to gain the world and lose your soul in the process? Like, who cares about all of this stuff? Stop worrying about that stuff. Actually, the thoughts, those thoughts of worrying about the things of this world dominate the minds of unbelievers. People that don't believe in the creator of the universe. People that don't believe in the son of God that has come, and, uh, come to live and die for them. The king of the universe that you know, conquered death, hell, and the grave that now stands or sits on the thrones of every believer's heart. Like that, that dominates the minds of the unbelievers. So don't get caught up in the mindset of this world. So Matthew goes on to say in verse 33, so seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. That's like take, take the worldly part out and get your mind focused on the kingdom stuff. Now, kingdom stuff, what is the kingdom all about? The kingdom's all about multiplication. Kingdom's all about life transformation. Kingdom's all about lost and people being found. That's what the kingdom's about. Kingdom's about building the, the, the family of God here on this earth. That's kingdom. And Jesus is saying, get your mind off worldly mentality, worldly gain, and get your mind focused on kingdom values, kingdom things. Blow up whatever perspective you had, whatever your flesh, blow it up. 
and start thinking about, man, where can I get my mind focused on the eternal things, the things that are going to last, the things that whenever it's all said and done, all the stuff's going to burn up and who's going to be there? Every person that I empowered, every person that I strengthened, every person that I lifted up, every person that I blessed on this journey, every person that I had the opportunity to plant a seed in, every person that I stood there and led them to Jesus Christ, whatever it may be, what lasts is the things in which we operated through the kingdom mindset. Actions, man, every, man actions are going to shout. What is our actions saying today about what we value? What is our life, the choices we're making on a daily basis, saying about what we value? Okay, like, let's forget the talk. Let's think about what is it that we're doing today on a daily basis that is tied to our values that is making an eternal difference. And here's the deal. You may be sitting here today thinking, yeah, I don't really have all good. That's okay. That's the point of why you walk through these doors is we want to challenge you with your existence here today and say maybe you're not in alignment with what the creator of the universe, his value system and what he desires for you. That's okay. But here's the deal. You can say I'm changing today. I can turn from my selfish, sinful, my world perspective and I can start stepping out into a different perspective to say I value things. I truly do value these things and I do want to accomplish them inside of my life here today. A second thing I would say inside of here is Matthew 13. It says this, the seed of the, uh, that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit, fruit is ever produced. Here's the deal. If you are new to faith inside of here, let me just speak directly to you. Everybody that's in our church, you know we're reaching unchurched people. Unchurched. Maybe you're new to faith inside of here. You're saying, man, I, I'm starting to realize that I'm broken, that I'm a fallen man, that I'm missing the mark of an eternal standard, and I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior to forgive me of my past, and now I'm walking into a new future. I'm the new creation in Christ Jesus. If you are new inside of your faith, what is it saying? you got a new seed of faith that is placed inside of your life. You have a new faith inside of your life, and you're moving forward in a new faith inside of your life. The Bible says here, Jesus tells us, is that if you are new inside of your faith and you lose focus, your focus can all of a sudden be turned towards the worries of this life and the lure of wealth in this world. What is it? Your mind can start focusing. You have a moment of breakdown. You say, man, I realize my fallibility. I realize my brokenness and my need of a Savior. The enemy steps back in to say, wait, 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 wait. Look at all the challenges inside of your life. And you're like, yeah, there is a lot of challenges. Oh, man, this is challenging. And they say, hey, man, this is talking about a selfless life and being generous. No, this is about you. The lure of wealth, it's about my game. If you're new to faith, you got to go with what you know. Go, stay consistent, stay determined on what you know, and keep on growing. Keep on showing up to church. Keep on showing up to uh, church nights. I mean, I love seeing when somebody comes to know Jesus Christ for the first time, and they have this, uh, this fire and this passion. They're showing up at everything. Like, I'll serve all three services, and I'll be at every uh, table, every life group. I'll be at every function the church does. They're just there. Why? Because they're excited about what God is doing inside of their lives, and they just want to be in a different environment that is encouraging different ideas, different behaviors, a different perspective, so they can stay consistent and co determined inside of their faith to move forward um, in their faith. And I'll tell you today, if you are new, just go with what you know. Maybe you're not new today, but man, you found yourself in a really challenging spot where the joy of your salvation, you've lost it. Maybe it's time to start showing back up 
getting yourself into a new different, uh, different community. I'm jumping ahead inside of my message here today. So I'll tell you this. This is the priority list that we should be focusing on. And this is kind of the basis. Anytime I talk about values or perspective or priorities, this is exactly what I'm going to reference inside of here. What as believers should we be valuing here today and how should we be orienting our lives? Number one, God should be at the top of that. Seek first the kingdom, live righteously. There shall be no other God before him. Amen. First, to ten, first commandment in the 10, right? He's like, this is the first thing. I'm, the, I'm it. So keep me centered. Second thing is the responsibility of family that you have. Now, if you're a young adult, you have a family, you want to respect and honor, you want to love them, you want to care for them, you want to live in that life. If you honor your father and mother, no matter how jacked up or tore up they are or know how many challenges they are, honoring does not mean uh, um, living in an abusive space or place. It doesn't mean enabling them to continue to be abusive. What I'm saying is you live from a place of honor that you will not talk down on, you will not talk bad about, you will always love them, you will always pray for them. Though you may not be in that environment toxicity anymore, you can continue to pray for their salvation, you can continue to pray for their good and well-being. Stay in a place of honor. But you want to focus on family. If you are married inside of here, family, your first responsibility when you get to heaven, God's going to say, what did you do inside of your home? First requirement to lead inside a church, New Testament, it's how, or how much in order is your household. If you can't run your household, you shouldn't be running the church. shouldn't be in the church. So family is a big deal. That should be a priority. The second, third thing is church. What is church? It's community. It's like-minded individuals saying, we are seeking the kingdom. We're focused on kingdom. We're together in this perspective. We want to accomplish the great commission that Jesus came to and set out for us to do. That's a value. Now, here's the deal. I understand values could be all over the place today. I'm telling you, this is kingdom value right here. You may not be where this is at right here, but I'm saying start to examine it. Start to look at it. Where is my values? What am I doing today? What are the choices that I'm making here today? Fourth thing on here is then your responsibility, your career. Now, many of us spend a lot of time inside of our career today because we got to make that money. How are we supposed to live, right? I'm not saying like your career is like, okay, well, uh, you're, you're not going to your job and you're coming to the church. That's not what I'm saying, okay? But it's from a priority standpoint. We value this. We value this. We do not compromise. We focus on this. This is a part of our lives. And we're good with it. Now, your career, everybody's got a talent. We talked about this before. Honor God. The, Lord, the Bible would tell us, um, honor your bosses as unto the Lord. Be hard workers. Work hard for them. So career's in there. You got friends, and then everything else is behind all of that. But this is how you should orient your life. We'll talk about it for the rest of the series. We're going to jump into a couple different conversations. But I just want to give you a perspective inside of here. Orienting your life in this priority will bring blessing to your life, no doubt about it. If you bring a value system as it's said inside of here and you orient your life around it, you will live a blessed life. You will walk in more peace. You will walk in more strength. You will walk in healing. You will walk in, I believe, uh, all your needs being met, which across this globe here today would be prosperity. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. That's not what I'm saying. But if we follow God, we will live a blessed life. And in America here today, blessed in America is 10 times better than anywhere else inside of this world. Second thing I would say in here is this. Shift what is coming in so you can align your life with what, is, what you desire to come out. Shift what is coming into your life to align your life with what you desire to come out of your life. It's the realignment. 
It's getting yourself back into alignment. So you got to shift maybe the inputs that are coming in, the influences of your life here today. If I asked you today, what are the main influences of your life, what would you say? What and who? Those are two questions. What is influencing you today? Maybe it's a media source that probably shouldn't be influencing you today. It creates every time you're on this media source, whether it's TV or social media, all of a sudden you walk away from it more depressed, more down, more frustrated than you did before you started watching it. Maybe that, that's an influence into your life now that's ch- that has a perspective, has a hold on you, that is challenging you. Maybe it's people. Maybe you've got yourself surrounded by some bad apples. And you're a really solid apple, but hang around a bad one long enough, you will become a bad one. Maybe it's re- reorienting your friendships and saying, you know what, no longer am I in these environments. It's a bad influence. It's causing bad behavior inside of my life. Think about how, who is surrounding you. That's why there's beauty in community. Today we're starting tables. You're not connected to a Christian community. After service, go over to our party that we have right after service. We're, start, we're launching tables today. What is tables? It's getting groups of people inside of the church around a table because life happens around a table. You can have a good food and a good drink all around a table, and there's some good conversation that happens. Jesus did it with his disciples. So we have tables that is launching today. That is life groups inside of our church, if you want to call it that. We call them tables around here. Get involved. Go over there. Just get connected. Get into a place where maybe you can impart into others or help other, other people inside of our church elevate inside of their lives. Maybe they're not where you are. Maybe you're in a tough place and you're, man, I just need some help and, uh, and I need some people to surround me. Great. But step into a place where you get the right people around you. Bad apples will create a bad apple, no doubt about it. Romans 12 would say this. What do you need to do? Not copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is what? Good, pleasing, and perfect. Good, pleasing, and perfect. The main thing inside of here, though, is there's a, the world has a, an expectation on how you should think, how you should act, how you should live. There's a mob rule that operates, and the ruler of this world, Satan, has controlled the minds of unbelievers that has created a complete atmosphere that now may be putting pressure on you as an individual to live differently than what you desire. That's why you got to get the influences around you that can change the, the, what the, is input into you, those influences, so that now you can align your life with the things that you truly value so you can get out of your life what you actually desire to get out, what you actually desire, what you actually value inside of your life. You ever been in a place where you were like in a like really foggy place and you, you were driving into this place, it was super foggy, you couldn't see anything? You ever been there before? Or maybe it was raining. All of a sudden it clears up and you say, wow, this place is beautiful. This is incredible. Right? You, you have this eye-opening moment on like, I was limited in my perspective, but all of a sudden, just by changing the, the, the environment changing, all of a sudden, my perspective changed. What I thought was a dark and gloomy place is actually a vibrant and beautiful place. Heather and I, we were traveling in, in, in uh, Ireland a couple years ago. Amazing place, incredible. We were, Ireland's historically known for like the rain, blah, 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 all that other stuff. But there's two different occasions. We were going to Calmore Abbey. This beautiful, uh, uh, this beautiful abbey that they have out in the middle of nowhere. This guy built a massive place, massive garden, all this stuff. But we're driving through, and it's raining this whole time. And I'm thinking, this is, like, ugly. This is not pretty at all. 
And I remember going, and it was raining the whole time, and it was like, okay, this is okay. Not great, not spectacular. I don't like rain to start off with. All the way up in the northeast, northwest, whatever, you, God bless your souls in the depression you have to walk through because that, <laughs> not me. We live in Texas. It's hot, sweaty, nasty, stinky, all of it, but I'd much rather that than some rain. So, but I remember driving back from Calmore Abbey, uh, back in, I think it was Dunlow, and all of a sudden the skies cleared, and we were driving through these beautiful valleys, rolling green hills. It was like beautiful. Like, ah. But my perspective going in when I couldn't see all that was going on was negative. But as soon as the clouds opened up, all of a sudden I had a completely different perspective on the place. And I think that's what this is trying to say inside of here is you can live in a world where you are controlled and ruled by the behaviors of this world, the expectations. But man, if you can remove yourself from that, all of a sudden you're going to step into a place where you will understand the good and the pleasing and the perfect will of God inside of your life. And when that happens, life explodes. There's so much beauty in what you do. There's so much beauty in the career in which you live. There's so much beauty in the family in which you've been blessed with. There's so much beauty in the opportunities that stand ahead of you. There's so much beauty and the opportunities of friendships around you, all of a sudden the fog of life comes off because we removed ourselves from the mindset of the world, stepped into a perspective that was kingdom and said, man, I'm knowing the good and pleasing, perfect will of God inside of my life. Praise God that I'm changing and shifting, amen? It's a little bit of a shift, a little bit of a change that can change everything inside of our lives. Changes everything. But we have to have a perspective where, man, we get the bad out, and we know exactly what we value. What is our priorities? What is our perspective? What are we going to commit our time to? Where is our money going to go? We know according to biblical standards and the desire of our heart what we want. What is it going to be? Once you know truly what your values are, it's much easier to stand firm and make solid decisions where your life is shouting what you believe than being wish-washy on a day-to-day basis. You can look inside of Genesis chapter, um, Genesis chapter 25. Incredible story inside of here of a young man named Esau. Esau was the older brother of Jacob. And I'm just going to tell it very quickly. You got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God said, I'm going to bless Abraham. I'm going to create you into an incredible nation. All the stars in the heaven won't measure up to the, the amount of descendants you will have here on this earth. I will bless you. And through Israel, I'm going to bless the nations. Guess what? As Gentiles, we're, we're that wild tree grafted in, I think, that Romans 8 talks about. We are the Gentiles that through Jesus Christ we're grafted in. So guess what? We are a part of the promise that God gave Abraham thousands of years ago. But what you find in this bloodline lineage is you find a Jacob that by name he is the deceiver, what the word means. Jacob, as he's coming out of the womb of his mom, he's got his brother's ankle and he's holding on to that thing like, no, you ain't getting out before me. (laughs) Jacob, his entire life, lived a life of deception. Now, here's the deal. Esau was this, this man that was like a rugged man. He liked to be outside. Come on, all the rugged men inside of here. Anybody just in general, anybody that likes to be outside more than you like to be inside, here's the difference between Jacob and Esau. Esau's a man that's like, I want to go sweat. Come on, all the sweaters in here. (laughs) Jacob's the man that's like, I want to go read a book. Come on, anybody that wants to go read a book. Anybody just want to go read a book and sweat at the same time? I don't like, I mean, I don't understand people like that. They'll go to a beach and they'll sit on a beach sweating and then they have a book in their hands and the book is like saturated in their sweat. (laughs) That is my wife. It it makes no sense to me. I want to talk more about that, but here's the deal. 
The difference is I'm more of an Esau guy. I like being out there sweating. I will go on a long hike, eight-mile hike. I'll take some food with me. I'll take a good drink with me. I'll get up to the highest point. I'll look out of all of God's creation. I'll eat and drink and be merry and be happy and say, God, you are good. I'm Esau. Don't put me in an office inside of a room and like laid up. That's the boringest thing ever. I read books and I listen to a lot of books on Audible, but I do that while I'm doing other things, okay? I'm not a loser stuck in the house, okay? I said it. Thank God it came out. It's my confession to you. God healed my soul. But here's the reality. The two difference between these guys was one wanted to be in the house. The other one was outside of the house. Well, Isaac, his father, loved uh, loved. Uh, Esau because he was an outdoorsman, right? You're outside. <laughs> we have this day where Esau goes out and he's like super tired when he comes back and he's out all day. I mean, if, you, if you're an Esau inside of here, come on somebody, you know what outdoors like, you know about energy and effort and output and like straining yourself, you know what I mean? We're not like the, those guys, you know. So Esau comes into the house and he's like super tired. Have you ever been there like super tired and super hungry before with like your, your stomach's itching? That is the worst feeling I've ever had inside of my life. Like you start shoving bread in your mouth with like no control. <laughs> has anybody ever been there with like me before? You just start eating stuff. You're just like, I don't care what it is. As long as it, it has mass, I'm going to shove it down my throat. <laughs> and you're like pushing it down to get it all down, but you can't get it in there fast enough because you're like your stomach. That's the worst feeling inside of the world. <laughs> Esau's at that state. He's there where he's coming into the house. He's hungry. <sighs> well, Jake, Jacob, the deceiver, he's over here like great opportunity. You need something that I got. Well, Jacob made this incredible stool, uh, stew with, with like uh, lentils in it. And it's like this incredible, this incredible stew. And he walks in and obviously Esau's like, Lord Jesus, I'm so hungry right now. I don't care what it is. Jacob says, here's the deal. You can have some of my stew. Oh, it's good. Ooh, it's real good. He says, here's the deal. You got to give up your birthright as a son if I give you this. What is the whole story trying to indicate to humanity? That there is opportunity in life when you may be at your lowest, where you will sell out your future based on a moment. Here's the deal. If you want to be a person of character and integrity that lasts, it's being individuals to say, I know what I value and I will be unwavering in what I value. I, I know what I, where I stand. We will... Me and my house, we will serve the Lord, Joshua 24. We're not backing down. We're not doing anything else. This is what we do. We serve God. We honor our family. We are invested in our family. Uh, my career is behind that, so I will not place my family on the altar of my career. Yes, there are sacrifices that need to be made inside of that. That's collectively decided inside of the family. But if a person operates from a place on my career is above my family, there's no discussion inside of the house on what this looks like. You have a family that is on the altar of a career based on somebody's whatever mentality on I'm going to gain the world for whatever issues going on inside of their heart, and they leave their family behind. It's out of order and out of alignment with God. Me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If you have these clear principles, you will never. You don't live from a place where you will, you will give up something momentary or give up something eternal or give some, your future up based on a moment. A young generation today will give up their purity for the excitement of a feeling in a moment. They will give up their, their health for the, the momentary gratification. Why? Because the value system isn't set. Clarity around what God's expectation is. Clarity around what, the, what God would desire for his children, how they should live. 
And in a moment of opportunity where they are wavering in their values, they will sell the future for a moment. I'm just telling you today, wherever you are at inside of your life, you've got to distill these values. You've got to know what they are. You've got to orient your life around them and say, I'm going to live on what God's word says. I will live according to the priorities, the biblical priorities. I'm going to stand firm on these things, and I will never, I will never compromise these values for a moment. Esau lost his, in, his future based on a moment. One bowl of soup. Oh, it was good inside of that moment. Oh, it was real good inside of that moment. But he lost his future because of it. What do you value today? Where's your, your decisions? Are they in alignment with those values? Or are, you, are you protecting yourself from what's being input in so that you can get your life oriented and aligned with what you want to come out? If you're not, the decision's got to be made. How am I going to live? What am I going to do? What am I doing today? Where's my money going? Where's my time going? I got to get my actions in alignment with my values. I got to get the input in my life oriented to what I truly value so I can live what I want. Because if not, oh, the world's got a plan for you. Oh, yeah, he does. He comes to kill. He comes to steal. He comes to destroy, John 10, 10 says. But the flip side of it is, we serve Jesus Christ that has come to give us life and life abundantly. So if we don't have a plan, if we don't have a, we don't have a clear like, value system, it's going to be a moment of opportunity where we will sell the future for temporary gratification. It happened in the garden with Eve. Here's temporarily have the apple. But you're going to lose the future. You're going to lose the future of purity upon the earth. You're going to impact people around you. You're going to harm people around you for a moment of gratification. Don't do it. No, know what you're called to do. Know who you're called to be. Orient your life around it. I would say this. Your life today is moving in the direction of your values. What do you value? What do you value? Your life today is moving in the direction of what you value. What do you value? Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes 2, the book of Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon, known as the wisest man to ever live. Ecclesiastes 2, you would find where the wisest man to ever lived, and all that he did, he sought wisdom, would basically say this, I've been able to gain everything, earn everything, acquire everything, I've been able to learn, like I have it all. Picking up in verse number nine, he says, so I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. Verse 11, but as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthless anywhere. Or wor there's nothing really worthwhile anywhere. I've gained it all. I have it all. I'm the smartest man to ever live. I have everything. What I've learned, it's just like chasing the wind. It's meaningless. Now here today, I'm not going to insult your intelligence, but I'm just going to tell you today, you're probably not as wise as Solomon is. And I can guarantee you this, you're not as rich. But if you are, we would love to take a donation for the building <laughs> that we purchased over here. And uh, 
we short a little bit on the renovation, you know. Um, but here's the deal. You're not as wise and more than likely you're not as rich. He's attained everything. And what do you hear from very wealthy people? They would echo the same thing. You've heard me say it a thousand times. You're going to hear me say it another thousand times. There's billionaires with empty houses. Why? Because they, they gained the world, but they lost their family. They lost their own peace. You were back in the Enron crisis. You know how many of those guys committed suicide? Hundreds. Check me on that, Barbara, so I don't say that next verse. But lots of them, they'll say that. What did they do? They lost everything that they had, everything they gained. They went into their cars, took, took whatever measures necessary, and they ended their life because everything they attained in this world was gone. They had no hope for living beyond that future. Solomon's saying, we, I've done it all. All I'm trying to say in here is like, if you think that you're going to find something greater on this earth by gaining this world, there's many that I already have and said it's not worth it. So why in your state, why in my state would we live from that perspective when Jesus is like, no, 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 don't do that. Forget that life. Seek the kingdom, live righteously, do what's right. Get your accents in alignment with your value. Live daily to care about others. Love people, care for people, lift people up. Use your resources in order to empower people. Like, take, live something that matters. He would end with this in Ecclesiastes 12, 8 through 14. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. Keep this in mind. The teacher was, uh, was considered wise, and he taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express truths clearly. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. I hope today you're feeling a little bit of pain. We're getting you. But I hope it's empowering you, and I hope it's giving you strength. I hope it's saying, you know what? Uh, it, it's helping me have a hope for my future. Their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick with uh, which a shepherd drives the sheep. Come on, you got this. You can keep on moving. You keep on heading in the right direction. We're getting you in the right place. You know, I hope it's getting you. But my child, it goes on to say, let me give you some further advice. Be careful for writing books is endless, and much study wears you out. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Wisest man to ever live, richest man on the earth. What does he say? I got it all. It's worthless. You can, you know, listen to wise people they're just nail-studded prods getting you in gear. Maybe it's a kick in the butt sometimes that I do. Amen. That's my hope. I'm like, yeah, John claude Van Damme. Watch out. Or Jackie Chan, whichever. Whichever you prefer. I hope that the heart of what I, I preach with is to empower you with your hopeful for your future. That, that you walk a little more away from yourself and say, I'm going to live selflessly. I'm going to die to myself, and I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. That's what I want to do. And through this process, you can come to the same understanding that the richest and wisest man ever uh, that came to. He said, this is what it's about. It's about following God. It's about listening to his commandments. It's about doing what he's called us to do. Because here's the day. We're all going to, here's the deal. We're all going to be judged. One day, we're going to be judged by him. He knows everything we've said, everything we've ever done. You know who echoes exactly that? Jesus does, Matthew 25. 
Matthew 25, Jesus echoes the same exact thing. There's a judgment coming for all of us. Now, I'm not going to turn and burn you. That's not what I'm going to say, okay? I'm not going to turn and burn you, but I will say this. Jesus makes it clear that there's a separation of the sheep and the goats. All this to say today, if you want a one-line statement for this entire message, this entire thing, that, like the whole premise of what hit my heart that I built this all off of is this, this right here. In the end, we are not going to be judged by man, but we're judged by God. So why do we care so much about what man thinks? That's it. When it's all said and done, there's nobody else going to be there. It's going to be us and Jesus. That's it. He's not going to be like, hey, uh, how well did you do in your career? Did you make a lot of money? If you made this amount of money, then you get into heaven. He's not going to say, hey, uh, hey, uh, how, how uh, did, you, uh, did, you, did you accomplish all that you set out to do? In your life, did you get everything that you wanted? Did you, did you gain everything that this earth had to offer? If you did, then you have a place in my kingdom. In Luke chapter 16, it's actually the opposite. A story of Lazarus and a rich man. Lazarus had sores sitting at the gate of the rich man. The rich man cared nothing for Lazarus. When they both died, Lazarus went into heaven. Uh, the rich man went to a place of anguish, we'll say it that way. And the rich man cried out that even a, a, a little tip of a finger with water on it would be pressed on his tongue based on the anguish he was living in. He just wanted a little bit of reprieve. He said, can you get Lazarus to come do that for me? Jesus says the separation is too, 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 too far. From here, we can't go there. He said, okay, well then can you at least send some people to my family. I got brothers still in the house. Can you at least go tell them? What is the plea of Jesus' heart? Make the decision now. Don't wait until it's all said and done and you got to show up and then you're given an account for everything you did, but you only live for yourself. Like, you don't do that. Matthew 25, Jesus would say, what? When you've done unto the least of me, you, or to the least of those, you've done unto me. They're, they were like, what, why, when did we do for you? When you cared for people that were hurting, when you cared for people that were in need, when you cared for people that needed a place to go, that is when you done unto Jesus Christ. What do you value? And where's your actions today? Do you care more about the game tonight than you do about the eternal destination of broken and lost lives around you? I'm not saying anybody inside of here, you need to go grab a bullhorn and condemn anybody. What I am saying is you need to go clarify your values. Be unwavering in those values and then say, you know what? I'm going to make a decision daily to never waver and I'm going to keep on loving people, encouraging people, strengthening people, buying lunches for people and coffees for people behind me in line. I'm going to keep on being generous with my money. I'm going to keep on being generous with my words. I'm going to keep on being generous with my actions. I'm just going to keep on giving because I want to live a life to give for the least of these amongst. That's what I want to do. What's your values? 
how you living. What's judgment day going to look like? I hope today you can say, okay, I'm changing some things. I'll make some different choices. I'm going to live a different life. You know what? Love changes everything. Love changes everything about your values. Love changes everything. All the married people inside of here, love changes everything, yes? Remember the first time you saw so-and-so? Look at them right now and be like, first time I saw you, girl. I can tell you the first time I saw my wife, the first time I saw her, braces and glasses and everything else in between, she had it all. I can tell you the first time I saw her. Love changed everything. I reoriented my entire life around love. Love changes everything. Love changes everything. The moment you fall in love with Jesus Christ, it changes everything. That moment in time you're like, oh, wow, I'm broken. Wow, okay, oh, oh. And he loved me and gave his life for me. And then you have this overwhelming, like, release of the things of this world and the, the shame of a life lived away from God. And all oh, the and then you receive the free gift. It changes everything. I mean, it changes everything. I can remember seriously at 17 years old the moment I said, okay, I get it now. All right, I get it, I get it. It changed everything for me. I gave my life to Jesus, and I was all in. I'm still all in to this day. I feel like I'm more messed up today than I was then because I know more now, you know what I mean? But it changed everything. Love changes everything. It changes everything about our lives. And let me just make it clear to you today. Maybe you don't know who Jesus is and the love that he expressed of the Heavenly Father towards you. Let me be clear with you. This is the gospel and the good news for all of humanity. There's a God that saw the human condition and said, I will not leave it that way. I'm going to do and send my best. I'm going to send myself, a part of this trinity, my son, to go down to this earth, and he's going to live a perfect life. He's going to be persecuted. He's going to love people, lift people up. He's going to break through the religious mold and empower people and strengthen people. He's going to raise up a, a group of wild um, outcasts in order to change the world. He's going to build his church on an individual that would reject him, but the gates of hell would not prevail against it. He's going to go to a cross. He's going to die on that cross. He's going to look at that cross and see the anguish of that cross. As he's sitting in the garden, he's thinking, God, if you would let this cup of wrath pass from me, let it pass from me. But if it is your will that I shall go to the cross and shed my blood for the salvation of all of humanity. He looked at the cross and knew the pain of it. He said, uh, the Bible would tell us that he looked beyond the cross. The hope set before him, he would endure the cross. What was he saying? I love humanity so much and I want to represent the creator of the universe so well that I'm willing to be killed and, and suffer a, a, a sinner's death on a cross so that there may be life and freedom to all of humanity that ever comes to me. 
Many are the ways to Jesus. There's one way to God. It's the cross. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that washes us as white as snow. Let me tell you, Jesus represented that for us. And maybe you're in here today and you've lived whatever, la vida loca. Maybe you've lived the crazy life. Maybe you lived the selfish life. And you've realized, you've walked through these doors for somehow. I don't know, you may have been drugged or dragged here. Praise God you're here. Maybe you came to the end of yourself and you just woke up here today and Pearl Street was on your mind. You walked through these doors. You're actually an atheist, but you're just in this place for some reason. It happens here. And you're sitting in a seat right now questioning, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? What is the eternal impact of my life? And you're realizing that you are just a vapor, as John 4.14 says. And you are here today and you will be gone tomorrow. I am here today. I will be gone tomorrow. But what matters is, what did we do today? What did we do while we were here? And the realization is, you're lost, you're disconnected from your creator, and you're in desperate need of salvation. If this is you here today, his name is Jesus. It's a name above every other name because he conquered death, hell, and the grave. We don't fear death anymore because he went into the grave three days he came right back out and was raised back to life. And the same hope that he was raised is the hope that we live, that we will be raised. We have eternal life, but it's through Jesus Christ. With every eye wide open inside of here, and I'm not going to have you stand up, and I'm this not, I want to be very direct with you inside of here today. This is a logical conversation that we're having, okay? If you want to deal in the analytical world, it's a logical conversation we're having today. If you're in here today and you realize the wages or the, the quality of your life and your decisions have sinned against God, the expectation that God has, the creator of the universe, and you're realizing you need a savior today. You need a relationship with the creator that only can happen through Jesus Christ. The Bible says simply, it's coming to Jesus. Asking for forgiveness Forgive me of my sins. I would say that we, he cleanses us. He, he washes us. us he, he removes the sin. He casts it as far as the east is to the west. He remembers it no more. But it's first coming humbly to say, I don't have it together. And I need your help. I don't have it together, but I need your help. If that's you today, here's the deal. I'm not going to say it's going to get easy, but I will say this, you're yoked to somebody that makes it easier. It's just like those new boats, those gyro boats, they go up on top of the water. Have you ever seen them? You go, go look at them, there's like hovers that they got. It goes above the water. The conditions don't change about the water, it's just the placement where they're at on the water. And oh yeah, the waves can get way and you're going to get, you know, mixed up. Right, well, what happens with Jesus? Come to me, all you weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You're yoked up, you're up on top of that water. Chaos is going on around you, but you're above it. This is a life with Jesus. So if you're in here, logically, eyes open, wide up. If you can't acknowledge God on this earth, he will not acknowledge you in heaven. If you come to the end of yourself and you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's your day, and you can do it. Logically. What does it look like on judgment day? And you say, today is not good. Well, let's change that. Let's change it by coming to Jesus Christ and receiving him as our Lord and Savior, confessing our sins, 
admitting in our fault and failure, believing in the Son of God, and committing our lives to him. If this is you today, just raise your hand and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Raise your hand wave at me. Give me a little wave. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm turning from me, turning towards him. I'm walking away, moving towards him. Amen. We saw the hands around the room. If you're in here today and you're a part of our church, you're an owner inside of this church. That's what this is all about. So just as there's a celebration going on in heaven, we're going to have a celebration right here. As soon as they say this prayer, heaven is being populated in Jesus' name. Angels are writing in the Lamb's book of life. We just added a couple more people into the kingdom of heaven. Praise God. Amen. So let's say this prayer together. Let's say the prayer together. Say, Jesus, we thank you for your life. We thank that you lived it so well. We believe that you are the Son of God. And we admit that we've fallen short of God's expectations. We're sinful, and we desperately need you to be our Savior. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Make me new here today. I want to be a new creation. And I'm going to follow you, Jesus, until I take my last breath and my last step. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, everybody. Can we give it up for everybody say yes to Jesus for the first time today? Amen. Amen. Woo. All right. I went a little long, as I typically do. But it's clear here today, right? I'd much rather go 15 minutes over and us be clear and change some decisions and get there right than lose it. Um, but uh, if you said this set, took this step here today, take a next step inside of the church. Jared's going to give you that information. Everybody new here today, so good to have you. This may not be your church, but I hope it is. But if it's not, there's great churches in San Antonio who are all committed to the work of Jesus Christ here on this earth, changing the spiritual climate of our city, our state, and our nation, and hopefully the globe. This isn't it. We've enjoyed to have you. But I'm looking forward to seeing you next week, if it is, in Jesus' name. Jared, take us away. Amen and amen. Thank you for that message, Pastor Brent. And can we give it up one more time for anyone who made that decision to follow Jesus today? Man, that is so awesome. If any of you have any questions about that, we'd love to help you out your next steps over at the VIP tent. But man, what an incredible message today. I love the idea of just a perspective shift, something as, as small as a perspective shift. Keep the bad out of my life. Keep the good, keep the values that I want to stand for foundational in my life. Well, hey, uh, my name is Jared. I'm on team here. Before we leave here today, I have a couple of quick announcements for you guys. Announcement number one, we are really excited to launch what we call Pearl Street Tables, which is our small groups here at Pearl Street Church. Yeah, it's been two years in the making, a lot of prayer, a lot of hands behind the scenes working to get this out. We are a big church in a small building, but Pearl Street Tables is where we can get incredibly small. We can gather together around a table. We believe that spiritual formation, that discipleship happens around a table, but we also think that you can find some lifelong friends and some family there. So we are really excited about that. So we actually have an outside experience for you guys. Right on your way to the parking lot, there's some food, there's some games, there's some bouncy houses for the kids, and we have some people on the tables team that are ready to help you find a good fit for where you can find your community in a small group and a table here at Pearl Street Church. So we're super excited for that. Our second announcement, next week here on Sunday, we're going to have child dedications. We don't do baptism for, you know, the, the youngers. We do what's called child dedication. So if you have a, a baby, a newborn, or just a child that is just younger and you want to dedicate them to God, we're going to celebrate that next Sunday here at church. There's some registration online. And again, if you find anyone outside, we can help you get connected there. But outside of that, we hope you have a blessed week. We will see you next Sunday. And I'll see you guys over at the Tables Experience. Bye, you guys.